Now, today, why did you come to church today? I know it was because you came to meet your friends. That's a nice thing to do, though, isn't it? Yes. You came, you came because it's what you've always done for a long time. So it's kind of what you do on a Sunday. Get out of bed, brush your teeth, or comb your teeth and brush your hair, whichever way you want to do it. And you go to church. Right? I wonder if this morning, when you uh, were coming to church, I wonder if you had something buzzing around in your head like, when I go to church today, God is going to show me just what he can make of me. Now, I don't know if you watch these cookery programs on the television. I try to avoid them. I must be honest. I have an inferiority complex the size of a mountain. And when I see people who come with three or four ingredients and produce a banquet, I think, oh, get a life. It's jealousy, of course, but you know. You are made up of a load of stuff. You're a man or a woman. You are young or, like me, you once were young. But whoever you are, whatever you are, what you may not understand is there's a lot more to you than meets the eye. Because you're living in a world where you have been put into a box to think, I am this. I will conform to that. And even with the revolutions of our world on sexuality and other things, all that's being done is the creation of another box. So you move from this box of being a man or a woman to that box of not knowing who you are. You're just moving from one box to another box. But the box tells you who you are and what you are because you live inside the limitations of the box. Oh, I never went to a good school. I therefore can't have a good job. You're living in a box. I had a terrible upbringing. My parents beat me. I therefore cannot have a good life. You're living in a box. I'm from the poor side of town. And they're from the rich side of town. Therefore, I will never have those privileges. You're living in a box. Now this morning, what I want to do is to continue the theme that Pastor Greg introduced last week. And the theme is made for more made for more you are made for more God didn't make you to put you in a box and say that's who you are stay there God never put you in a box God will never put you in a box God says to you you are my child and I love you and the demonstration of that love was when Jesus came and died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven and our life could be changed. But it's not to be changed simply, oh, my sins are forgiven, therefore I'm changed. No, no. That's like being a child running around in the slums of India somewhere. And a multimillionaire comes along and by some wonderful miracle, you end up being adopted by him. 
and he takes you into his house. And he and his wife and perhaps the other children, they embrace you. And they say, wow, we love you. Do you think that they would leave you in the rags of your poverty? Do you think they would leave you with hunger? Do you? Do you think they would leave you with ignorance and no teaching and no learning and no prospects? Do you? Of course they wouldn't. They brought you out of for a reason. They brought you out of for a purpose. They brought you out of because something in their heart was stirred by you. The child from the slums of India or the child from the back end of Birkenhead or the child from wherever it may be. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he died so that death could be dealt with, sorrow could be addressed, sin could be forgiven and you could come into God's family. That doesn't put you in a box. It gets you out of the box. It says, poor, not anymore. No potential, loads of potential. Ignorance, here's heavenly education. Limitations, haven't got them. In fact, it says in the Bible, you've got no limitations. There's a verse that actually says it. It says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Come on. Is this not something fantastic? You see, God wants to make something of you that nobody else can. And let's be honest, God wants to make something of you that even you can't make of yourself. Yeah? So I know as a bloke, a child who did have some disadvantages and I left school at 14 and started work at 14. And I didn't start work at 14 down in the, bell, at the bowels of the earth mining coal. Some people did, I didn't. I went into shops as a shop assistant. But do you know something? God cared about a 14-year-old kid who left school too early with no qualifications. God cared about me. And God said, you won't be disadvantaged because I'm your dad. And I look after my children. And so it wasn't too long before I was working for a manager who was absolutely amazing. And then... An area manager came along one day and said, there's been a cancellation on a course. I want you to go on that course. You'll be in a hotel on the Hagley Road in Birmingham and you're going on a course that's being run by Birmingham University. And I thought, me? I'm 17. Me? He said, you'll feel a little bit young because the next one above you is 34 years old and I think it's about twice your age, isn't it? I'll tell you what, I went, I loved it, I learned stuff, and do you know something? I applied it, and it did something in my life. And I realized I was made for more. So in a little while, other stuff, I won't bore you with my life story, it would be absolutely dreadful. You'll go and say, what was that man on about? What I'm trying to get over to you is you are made for more. There's loads of stories in the Bible about people who perhaps had difficulties and perhaps 
didn't see opportunities. The first one is a, I didn't see the opportunity guy. And you'll find him in the book of Judges and chapter 6. And his name is Gideon. And Gideon is a really nice guy. Okay, he's, he's just an ordinary bloke. There's nothing fancy about him. He's just <clears throat> an everyday sort of guy. Somebody who you would, you know, play darts with or play golf with or whatever. Just an ordinary guy. <clears throat> but he'd been put in a box. He lived as a refugee in his own country. The Moabites were coming and they were stealing everything. Nothing was sacred. You go out to the field to get a, a sheep or a lamb and as, before you got home, some of the Moabites had come, the gang would rip it off you and beat you up and, and you lost a lot. That was how his life was. So one day, he wants to get some uh, cereal, some corn, wheat, for uh, making bread. And he doesn't want the Moabites to nick it. So he goes and hides. And while he's hiding and pounding the stuff and blowing the chaff away and getting the grain, a bloke turns up. And he says, hello, Gideon. That's a surprise, isn't it, when God knows your name? He said, you are a mighty man of God. And you could imagine if I walked up to you today in the street and said, hello, and called your name, yeah? Hello, Ronald. Never met before, mind. Never met before. Hello, Ronald. Mighty man of God. What would you do? Drop your watch. Possibly. Long time ago, when I was 20 years of age, I was with two friends and we were in a, a place called the Arboretum in Lincoln. And we went out to tell people about Jesus and to see if they'd like to connect with, find the love of Jesus. So three young lads, 20 years old, there were three other lads walking towards us. And these three lads, they... They thought it was all a bit of a laugh. And we said, would, would you mind if we just talked to you a bit about Jesus? <laughs> you know, it was really embarrassing. And then as the conversation continued, one of my friends, Ian Jennings, he was chatting to them and Peter, the other guy, was chatting to them. And I, for once, you know I'm a chatty bloke myself, but I, I, I stood there quietly. And I just felt something happening. It was just as if a cloud, yeah, had descended over me, coming down, 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 down. Oh, the feeling was just out of this world. It was amazing. And I stepped forward alongside my friends, and I said to this bloke, I said, hey, if God gave you a sign, would you believe in him? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, if God took all those clouds and changed them into a mighty sword up there, just as we're looking, would you believe in him? Well, I suppose so. Yeah, I suppose so. And that's when something happened which was wonderful. My mouth started to work. My brain went into neutral. And out of my mouth came the name and address of the first bloke 
He was absolutely struck dumb. Name and address of the next bloke. Struck dumb. Name and address of the third bloke. Struck dumb. Then they fell on their knees. Then my mates, Ian and Peter, they fell on their knees. I didn't. I couldn't get out the cloud. It didn't let me drop on my knees. But I was shaking like a leaf in autumn. Now you say, did that ever happen again? No. <clears throat> no. But let me tell you, the angel never came back to Gideon. It was a one-off that made a difference. And I realized at that moment that I was made for more. It's all right, I've got a, a tickle. It's not coronavirus, don't worry. I realized I was made for more, and that made me hungry because I realized God was real. I realized that if God could do that there, anything, <clears throat> everything was possible. So what are we saying? Gideon, mighty man of God, he says, I'm not. I'm not. And the angel of the Lord speaking to him said, oh yes, you are. God's got you in his sights. He wants to make more of you. You are going to be the salvation of Israel. You are going to be the salvation of Israel. And the story goes on. Gideon, eventually, the people come to him. He's going to make an army to rout the Midianites. It, it just is outside of your mind. A few thousand come. He gets them down to just 300. 300. And the 300 stand in a circle out in the nighttime around the camp of the Midianites. And then they are shouting and breaking these big jars. And the light shines out and they're sounding the trumpets. And it's forgotten, Gideon. And all the Midianites <clears throat> picked up their swords and killed each other. What? Yeah. You see, the Midianites were inside their box and they only knew one thing. Army, fight, kill, steal. So they did it. But they did it to each other. God knew how to set the people free. And God knows how to work in your life because you're made for more. You're made for more. You may not realize it, but when you ask Jesus into your life, you're asking God into your life. And if you're asking God into your life, you're asking the creator of the universe into your life. He's been around for billions and billions and billions of trillions or whatever of years because he's eternal. You can't get your head around him, so don't try. You can't measure him. You can't, so don't try. You can't in any way, shape or form outthink him. Don't try. All the brains of this world are like one grain of sand on the seashore of his intelligence. So it's just where it's at. So if you can't fight him, why don't you just embrace him? Okay, God. Here I am. <clears throat> My name's not Gideon. My name's Paul. What's yours? I'm ready to do 
whatever you want me to do. Some of us aren't in our first youth. But there was a bloke called Moses. He was 80. God turns up and says to Moses, I've chosen you. And I know that Moses thought, hold on a minute. I'm not up to this. I'm not up to this at all. I actually have a speech impediment. I stutter. And God says, yeah? So, I'll give you Aaron. He's your brother. What? I haven't seen him for 40 years. No problem. I'll reconnect you. That's what happened. So, God takes Moses at the age of 80, takes him back into Egypt where he's wanted for murder, connects him with his brother, Aaron, his sister, Miriam, and the three brothers and sisters become a pain in the neck. Well, they did to Pharaoh. They turned Egypt upside down. And then Moses leads the children of Israel out. And he looks after the leadership for 40 years. Oh, what happened to Gideon? Oh, I'll tell you what. He led the children of Israel as a judge for 40 years. Yeah? Yesterday, I met the widow of a friend of mine called Barbara Jacobs, and she was telling me about her husband, and he was the pastor of our church in Wigan, and they've just put a plaque on the wall because he was the pastor there for 40 years. He died, but he was a pastor, and they put a plaque on the wall for 40 years. So, God, isn't it great? I've nearly done 50. Never mind. Do you know, it is exciting because God wants to get inside your thinking and take you out of the box. He wants to get inside your plans and take you out of the box. He wants to take you out of those doubts and fears and confusions and he wants to walk with you. You don't know the person at the side of your husband, wife, partner, whatever. You don't really know them on the first day of meeting. It takes time to get to know somebody. And then you find they've got hidden depths that they like this, they don't like that. Eat this, don't eat that. Like to go to that cinema to see that film, but actually don't like that cinema because it's not so good and they wouldn't go there anyway even if the film was good. You find things out about people. When you're walking with Jesus, that's how it should be. You find out more about him, but because he is living in you, you find out out more about yourself you see if you've got a grandson like one of mine sitting here this morning Lucas he should put his hand up in case you didn't notice he's sitting here and he's listening to the sermon and he's on his iPad and he goes like that he's sitting at the uh, at my house we're doing something on a computer and he says oh pops you have to press that button excuse me I'm a bit older than you. You're only eight. He knows more about computers at eight than I do. Yeah? It's how it is. His older brother's even more. Never mind. What am I saying? That computer has more to it than I'll ever know. Yeah? It's my computer, but I don't know what to do with it. It's my computer, but I can't tap its potential. 
It's my computer. I need somebody to help me to understand and to unlock its potential. So an eight-year-old or an 11-year-old could unlock that potential. Come on. How much more do you think Jesus Christ coming into your life would unlock the potential? How much more do you think you could find a new dimension of living with the help and the power of Jesus Christ coming into your life? So Gideon, frightened, hiding, becomes the soldier, the warrior, the leader, the judge over Israel for 40 years. Moses, standing at the burning bush, eight years old. I'm too old to do anything. And God says, no, I've got a chapter and you're going to be the man to write that chapter. And then let's not leave it there. There are a few more. I want to go to Jonah. Does anybody like the story of Jonah? I like Jonah. He's a friend of mine. Yeah? He's a failure. Anybody ever failed at something? I love people who are ordinary like me. And Jonah, he was a preacher. And God said to him, Jonah, Mr. Preacher Boy, go to Nineveh. And he said, pardon? Go to Nineveh. And he said, I'm, I'm awfully sorry, God, I've gone deaf. He didn't actually say that, but his actions portrayed that, didn't they? Because God said go to Nineveh, so he went in the opposite direction. He got on a boat and he wanted to get as far away from Nineveh, as far away from the call of God, as far away from the challenge, as far away from what he considered to be a box as possible. So he's on the boat. The boat gets in a storm. They do all they can to save the boat. They can't do anything more. Jonah's hiding down in the belly of the boat. And they come and find him and say, hey, is this because of you? And he says, yes, it is actually. Yeah, um, what are we going to do? Well, throw me overboard. If you read the story, it says that the people on the boat didn't want to do that. So they tried with their oars to try and row to the land. And they couldn't. It got worse. So in the end, they threw him overboard. And immediately they threw him overboard. He hit the sea. And the storm stops. He hits the sea and it says he was swallowed by a fish. It doesn't say a whale. It says a fish. So, you know, it wasn't Pinocchio uh, in the whale. You know the story. It was a fish, a great fish. You say, but there ain't one. I said, What's that to God? God wanted to make a fish 40 million miles long. It can't, you know, do anything it wants. So, a great fish. And then he's there in the belly of the fish and he's saying, oh, and God said, come on, come on. I've got something bigger for you. You, Jonah, were made for more. Stop bellyaching. You were made for more. Stop saying you want to get out the box and then putting yourself into a box. I'm going to take you out to the box you're in and set you free to do something important. And so he was vomited up on the shore. Funnily enough, not too far from Nineveh. Well, there's a thing. So he goes to Nineveh 
and he expects them to kill him. They didn't. They listened. He expects them to turn against God. They didn't. They turned to God. He expects them to reject the message. They didn't. They actually repented and said to God, we're really horrible. We are sinners and, and we've got it wrong and we are sorry. And they said sorry to God. And Jonah is furious because he had been saying, you got 40 days, if you don't uh, repent, you're going to be wiped out. And what happens in the 40 days? They all repent. And he goes to God and he says, hey God, excuse me, I thought you were going to wipe these beggars out. And God says, Jonah, what's your problem? Why don't you see the bigger picture? There's 200,000 kids in that place that can't tell the left hand from the right hand. Why would I kill all those children? I don't want to do that. I just wanted you to be a man who was made for more. And being made for more, you've released a whole city which is now made for more. And 200,000 kids have a life and they also will be made for more. You see, this morning, God wants you to embrace the truth that you were made for more. I've got just 17 more to go through. Now I am nearly finished. Peter, Luke 22. Yeah? You know the story of Peter. They, Jesus is about to be crucified and the soldiers uh, and the people around uh, that particular place spotted Peter and one of the people said, hey, you're Peter. You, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? <clears throat> and Peter said, no, no, not me. No, I'm not one of his disciples. I don't know anything about him. And then a maid, she said, you're one of his followers. No, I'm not. Three times he denies Jesus. And then he runs out, and as he's running out, the cock crows. And Jesus had said to him just a few hours earlier, Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. Now, come on, surely that's the end of relationship. Surely you're a failure, a loser. You've messed up. You don't stand a chance. He's going to walk away from you, wash his hands of you, you are finished. That's not how it is. That's not how it is. If you read the, the Bible there in Luke, you see the story, but then there's the call of Jesus when he rises from the dead and he says, go tell my disciples and Peter. Peter got a special mention. Go tell my disciples and Peter. You see, God loves failures. God loves confused people. God loves mixed up adolescents, which is more than parents do. God loves people who don't know who they are yet, don't know where they are yet, don't know what they could be yet. They're locked into the boxes that this world has put on them. 
and they're having to live in the box. And God is saying, come on. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to set you free. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Go tell my disciples and Peter. And then Peter comes and they're having a meal on the seashore and Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? He says, I do. And then he says, Peter, do you really love me? He says, I do. Now those responses are friendship. And then he says a third time, Peter, do you really love me? And Peter then uses a word which is fabulous. He says, yes, Lord, I agape you. I truly, deeply, and without reservation, love you. You see, people can love God a bit and love church on a Sunday because it's what they do. But God doesn't want you to live there. God wants you to know Jesus as your saviour, your friend, as the person who's inside your heart and your life that you talk to in prayer. And by building a relationship with him, you find out who you are. You find out why you're here. You find out what your life is about. Because you are special. You weren't put on this planet to be put into a box by any government or any people or any job or anything else. God says, he whom the Son sets free is totally free. And you have been brought into this life that you now live with one thing. And most people miss it. So please, don't be one of them. God has brought you into this life and the whole object of God bringing you into this life is so that you can find him, find yourself and find purpose. Find him, find yourself and find purpose. You're made for more. You're made for more. Peter was made for more. And you know the story. Jesus forgave him. Peter then forgave himself. That's a biggie. That's a biggie. When you get stuff wrong, you sometimes find it hard to forgive yourself. God says, I forgive you. And he means it. And God says, I will take your sins away from you as far as the east is from the west. I will take your sins away from you and I will bury them in the sea of my forgetfulness never to be remembered again. God says that, but you can't do it. You can't forget the things you've done wrong. You can't forget your weaknesses. You can't forget the failings. But God says, come on, I will help you. And I will create in you a new person. Because if any man is in Jesus Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. That's God's call on your life. Find him. Find yourself. Find your reason, your purpose for being here. Peter found it. And then my last one, John, in Revelation 1, 9 and 10. He was in prison. A slave in the salt mines on the Isle of Patmos. Yeah? Well, that's the end of that then, isn't it? I'm in prison. I'm a Christian. And because I'm a Christian, I've been put in prison. And every day I'm up at five in the morning, down in the salt mines, digging salt until I fall down at night. And that's my life. End of. Oh, no. 
Oh, no. You see, there he was, way, 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 way away from anything and everybody that meant anything to him. But God was still with him. And God spoke through the angel into his life. And if you read the book of Revelation, yeah, there was the sound. And the sound shook him. And then there was an appearance like unto the Son of Man. It shook him. There were angelic visitations during this period of time. And every one of them shook him. And he started to write stuff down. And as he started to write this stuff down, the revelation unfolded. Now, a lot of that stuff's way out of my pay grade. Yeah? It does my head in. It's up there. Clever theologians, they read it and they still don't understand it. Um, it's amazing. The book of Revelation is the most fantastic book. What is it building up to? It builds up to the end of time. It builds up to something that is Quite phenomenal. It's the appearance of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to blow your brains because I will tell you something. The Bible repeatedly tells me that Jesus Christ is coming back into this world. Why? It says in the Bible, if you read it, coronavirus is in there. Did you know that? It is. Plagues that destroy and wipe out hundreds of thousands are in the Bible, in the book of Revelation. Wars that wipe out literally hundreds of thousands it's in the Bible Revelation chapter 12 it even talks about an army of 200 million now come on it wasn't that long ago that the population of the earth was not 200 million now it's nearly whatever billion this is your world China alone has an armed militia and armed forces of over 200 million it does my head in that the Bible has all this information in it, and it's been there all the time, and people say, oh, no, it's not true. It's beyond truth. It is beyond truth. It is the word of Almighty God who knows the end from the beginning. And before you go any further, read it. Jesus said, John 14, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. In my father's house are many rooms. Or in heaven, there's loads of room for everybody. Yeah? If it was not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare that place for you. And if I prepare that place for you, I will come again. Jesus is going to come again. Revelation, you look at Revelation 19, it talks about the return of Jesus. It talks about all the destructive powers that are working in the world today. And it talks about all the inequality in our world and all the violence in our world and all the poverty in our world and all the famine in our world. And it talks of the hell that man is creating on the planet and says, mankind can't sort it. So the Bible says Jesus will come again and he'll sort it. And he will take authority over this world. The kings will lay their crowns before him. Presidents and prime ministers will give their authority to him. And he will sort out this world. Do you know something? I can't wait. Yeah? I mean, it would be wonderful if it happened today. Yeah? I'm going to be there 
You might say, well, you might die before. Eh, don't worry about that. The Bible says about the resurrection of Jesus, uh, the coming of Jesus, it talks of the resurrection. It says, the dead in Christ will rise first. So if I die, I get there before you lot. <laughs> the dead in Christ rise first. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them to be with the Lord in the air. And so shall we evermore be with the Lord. You see, it all fits together. Jigsaw puzzles, they absolutely do my head in. The Bible, however, is a jigsaw puzzle that when you walk with Jesus, he puts it together. You'll never understand it by yourself. He puts it together. And the truth unfolds in time. And when the truth unfolds, you find out he didn't make you to put you in a box. He made you to get out of the box. You were made for more. You were made for more. And only through Jesus can you find what you really were made for. Let's pray. <clears throat> As we close, I'm just going to ask you the question, who are you made to be? Living with unknown potential, full of self-doubt, is that you? Living with fear, failure, frustration, is that you? Living with past mistakes, is that you? Living in challenging circumstances, challenging work, challenging family. Is that you? God wants you to put your trust in him. The story in Mark chapter 4 about a mustard seed seems nothing. But when it's planted and grows, it becomes a great tree. And God wants you to allow the seed of his love, the seed that will become faith, the seed that will change your life to come into your life this morning. So I'm going to ask two things. First of all, if you're here this morning and you're saying, I actually would like to know Jesus Christ. I would like to receive that forgiveness. And I would like to get out of the box and become what he wants me to be. If that's the case, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just put your hand up and I would love to say a prayer for you. If there's anybody here this morning you say, I want Jesus Christ to come into my life. Just put your hand up and if you do that straight away. <clears throat> okay, let's move on. Into all of us, you know that God wants to do big stuff so can I ask you in faith this morning to reach out and say God plant the seed of who you want me to be in my life because I know I've been made for more and if you are willing to just accept that would you just stand up with me and we'll pray together
you were made for more. Father, you see us standing here this morning. We are what we are, but that doesn't mean we are what we will be. So I pray over everyone in this room this morning that's standing to their feet now, that Lord Jesus, you will sow the seed of their future this morning into their hearts and lives. And may it be like the story in Mark chapter 4, the mustard seed that becomes a great tree. I pray that the seed sown this morning will grow and develop until it becomes a great tree. And I pray, Father God, that something miraculous will come out of each of our lives. It doesn't matter whether we're a young person like Gideon or whether we're an old person like Moses or somewhere in between like Jonah and Peter. Lord, you know exactly what you want to do with us. And I pray that we shall find the fullness of the purpose and that we will also find an amazing and close relationship with you. You love us. Teach us to love you. You actually have faith in us. Build our faith in you. You have hopes and dreams for our lives. Help us to adopt those hopes and dreams and to stop being put in a box that says you can't. As we escape the box, let us hear the words, you can. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength.